it is important to stand for something. It is important to um, let folks know where their money is being spent and what your values are, right? So people have so many choices where they go and buy a pair of shoes or where they go and take a spin class. There's a million places. And Arlington is the fittest city. It was voted many times the fittest city in the country. There's, you can't throw a rock without seeing another fitness studio. So how do you differentiate yourself? And for us, the first and foremost thing was that we were going to have the best classes, the most challenging instructors, the top of the line bikes. That was always right. number one to us. And then number two was the social impact because we felt like it was something that no other studio was doing. And so we saw studios that were doing it sporadically, um, which is better than nothing. Absolutely better than right, nothing right. to have a one-time charity event um but for me it was like okay well as a writer like what if you miss that event or what if you feel like oh I can't make it or oh I you know there's another cause that I would love to give back to so I just wanted it kind of constantly baked in consistently a part of what we do and so I just made it part of our mission that whenever you come in whenever you spend money with us we give back welcome to the build with Braybeck podcast where we dig deep into real, raw, and honest conversations with people that are making moves, making change, and making their own version of their very best life. And teaching you how to build the same. Covering all things health, wellness, anti-diet culture, body positivity, and so much more, here's your host, Amanda Brabeck. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Build with Brayback podcast. Happy Thursday. If you're listening from Boston, it has been a absolutely gorgeous week, and it is wild the wonders that it does for my mood, as I'm sure everyone else can relate. Um, hopping right into the highs and the lows. The high, it's obvious. The CDC... Um, you know, recommended that the mask mandates should be gone. And so Boston hopped right on that bandwagon and really pushed it up from the August 1st date. Um, and so I'm really excited, obviously selfishly to be able to have more fun and see people and everything and feel safe about doing so. But I'm so excited for all of the businesses that have, um, really struggled and suffered during this last, you know, year plus. Um, So it's just going to be exciting to see businesses thrive this summer and see lots of people and have lots of fun. I can't wait. Got to go shopping because my loungewear on point. Anything besides that, not so much. But with that, I do have to say, Get vaccinated if you have not been vaccinated yet. Um, I know that for a bit there, at least in Massachusetts, it was a little bit tough. But, um, you know, do everything that you can to get vaccinated. Um, Get both vaccinations. If you're not vaccinated, keep wearing your masks. You guys know. You know. (laughs) Um. My low is that I can't seem to stop finding little creepy crawlers literally everywhere in my apartment. Like, it's the springtime, so I know this is just what happens. But our, like, living room kitchen is on the um, first floor of the apartment, and then our bedrooms and um, bathroom is on the basement level. And so they're all like the really like millions of legs, fuzzy, creepy crawlers. And let me just tell you, I posted one on my, on my Instagram story and, um, I, it is wild. The level of engagement I got for that compared to literally anything else I post. There's Poe. He's saying good morning to everyone. Um, so say some prayers because I might lose it. Um, But getting right into it, I'm so excited for you guys to listen to Allie. I'm excited to have 
um, a guest from a different city um, and have her be able to shed some light on, you know, what they're doing in their community, but also know that these are things that we all could be doing within the fitness community, whether you're listening from Boston or beyond. Um, so I don't take everything that she says. Um, see if you're a business owner, if you're in either a fitness community or, you know, just in, you know, your place of work, can you implement any of these values or, you know, the mission or even just, and she says it, um, on the podcast about seeing what, um, studios are doing in Boston and then taking some of those ideas and making them her own. So I think it's a great, a great episode, a great reminder of the difference that we can make within our communities, whether or not you're a business owner and that everlasting change comes with, um, you know, continuing to do the work in all different forms. Um, and it's not just a checkbox of, okay, I learned, I did this thing and now I'm done. Um, we gotta keep working, keep chugging along. I also do have to note that, um, we recorded this episode a couple of weeks ago. So some of her answers in terms of, will they go inside? Will they continue to wear masks? Um, all of that kind of stuff, um, probably has changed since the CDC guidelines, um, and, you know, different community government and statewide governments are changing the mandates. So if you are a local or going to visit that area and want to check out the studio, things might be running a little bit differently than um, stated in that episode. Just thought that was no worth noting. Um, so enjoy, have a lovely week, and I'll talk to you guys later. Really quickly before we get started, I just want to remind you guys about Organifi, who is a partner on the podcast. So I am absolutely obsessed with their vanilla protein and their greens powder. And lucky for you guys, they have bumped up my discount through the weekend. So if you're listening to this right as the episode launches, my discount for you guys has bumped up to 20% from the um, usual 15% off using code BUILDWITHBRAYBACK. So definitely check out Organifi for me. The greens powder is just a great way to get a little added energy, um, especially in the afternoon when I can't really drink coffee without getting those jitters and feeling kind of off all afternoon. Um, it's also a great way, you know, add it to smoothies along with that protein powder to um, just get some more nutrients in, especially if like me, some weeks you get a little lazy with your grocery shopping. So that definitely helps me. Um, give it a try. I put the link in the show notes. You can link right out to the website. Use code BUILDWITHBRAYBACK for 20% off. I am so excited for you all to hear from today's guest. She is changing the game in the fitness scene in Arlington, Virginia with her locally owned, women owned social justice indoor cycling studio, Good Sweat Studio. Good Sweat's mission is to create a community of riders who want to better themselves and their society, and they are the only social impact fitness studio that regularly gives back to their community through organizations many, but including uh, Black Lives Matter DC, Center for Black Equity, Martha's Table, the Melanoma Research Foundation, and so, so many more. She is a mom, fitness instructor, and a small business owner who fought to make it work during a global pandemic. Welcome to the podcast, Ali Hashemi. Thank you. You are so Thank welcome. So Thank you. I appreciate hearing all that. It's like, yeah, I can't believe we're still standing. I mean, I can, but like, right. yeah, to be standing after the pandemic is certainly like a medal in and of itself. It wasn't easy. It is. Yeah. Well, let's, I definitely want to talk about all of that. Let's bring it back though, to the very start, um, in terms of good sweat. So 
when did you come up with the idea? How did you come up with the idea? How did you turn it into an actual, you know, brick and mortar thing that people can experience? Yeah, I think this is so, it's so important because I think entrepreneurs are often like, yeah, I had the idea and then here we are. And it's right. kind of like, well, it was so easy. Well, yeah. What happened between A and B? There's a lot that goes into it. And so I've yeah. definitely been really intentional about telling the story of Good Sweat and many who, to whoever will listen, honestly, um, because I think it's important for entrepreneurs to hear that it's not, it's not that easy and um, it takes time. So I guess I'll start with the fact that I'm from Boston originally. So that's where I grew up. That's where my roots are. That's where my entire family is. And I am a product of small business owners. So mm -hmm. my family owns Lombardo's in Randolph and yeah. it's a huge venue with a lot of events and that hospitality industry has just been in my blood forever. And I mm -hmm. worked there growing up and I knew that I always was inspired by my mom, particularly um, because of her drive and what she was able to do being a working mom. So I really looked up to her in a lot of ways. And I knew I wanted to probably own my own business one day, but I wasn't really sure how to get there, kind of like mm -hmm. I just mentioned. So yeah, no one teaches us that. So. No. There's no roadmap and mm -mm. there's really no straight path. Every entrepreneur has a different way they got there. So I actually ended up going to Boston College to get my master's in social work. And I was in that field for a really long time because I wanted to do something that gave back and that helped others. And that to mm -hmm. me was social work. So I ran... Um, I did some nonprofit work for a while um, and I was really interested in that field because I knew that I wanted to make a difference and help people and help marginalized folks as much as I could. So I took my first spin class, how this gets into spin eventually, yep. um, when I lived in Argentina and I lived there and I was volunteering, I was working in an orphanage, I had worked in the adoption world for a while and I needed honestly something for my mental health. And so at that point, I started looking at local gyms. I found this place that was doing spin classes. And I was like, this is great. Um, you know, exercise is very medicinal. It's not a replacement for therapy, but it's definitely therapeutic. Yeah, and for sure. I felt like it was something that I needed and that would help me. And I fell in love with it. So that was 2006. I moved to DC in 2010. I was still taking classes and I realized I felt like I could do this. I was like, let me just try. Let me audition, see if I can get up on the podium. I worked uh, at some local big box gyms to start. Mm -hmm. And then I eventually had the idea for Good Sweat all while I was still running a local nonprofit around yeah. here that was helping youth. And so I, what kind of blew my mind was the fact that there was no place that was fitness and social impact right. together. Right. So that's why I founded Good Sweat because I just really wanted to create a place where people could work out, feel good, know that you're giving back. And so along the way, it was a very long process. There was places that we looked at that fell through. As you mentioned, mm -hmm. finding a brick and mortar is not easy. Especially um, in like a city and everything too. It's so expensive. So expensive. So again, we had saved up money and we applied for an SBA loan and we did a big fundraiser. I had very generous friends and family that donated. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't just like magically come up with this money. I had to work and hustle and make sure right. that we had the funds. And I had to make sure that we, you know, applied for grants and, and make sure that we were able to put in that money up front to build the brick and mortar. And I found so many different locations that fell through, some in DC, some in Arlington, some in Alexandria, just in the whole area. And then eventually I found the space. Um, actually, I found out I was pregnant right before I found the space. And I was like, we're doing this, we're just gonna do it. So um, yep. by the time we made our final offer, it was the same day that I went into labor and I was like, this is just happening. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sometimes <laughs> so that's, that's like when the best work happens though, is right. like, there's no time for any back and forth. It's just through it. <laughs> that's it, that's it. And like, there's this kind of thing around, you know, women and can we have it all? And I really believe that 
uh, it sets an unrealistic standard to say that, but you, you can't have it all, just not all at once is what I once heard. And I, yeah. I really liked that. Like if you have things that you want, if you want a business, if you want career growth, if you want a family, or if you don't, if you want to travel, whatever you want to do, you can do it. You just can't do everything by yourself at once. Yeah. You can't do it by yourself. So totally. it's just a matter of prioritizing, which I'm sure you understand. Yeah. Yeah. I think I heard something similar um, to that once something like you can't have it all, you can't have it all, but not it all every day or something like some days you're going to give it all to work. And some days you're going to be like kind of shitty at work and a really good mom or like, you know, it's just a give and a take. That's it. That's it. Right. You're not, you're not going to be, you know, functioning at your best in each role every single day. And so if you just kind of figure hey, today was a good day uh, in terms of work. I got a lot done. Or, hey, today I just decided like this morning, for example, my daughter wasn't feeling well. Her stomach was bugging her. I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to go into work this morning. I have the luxury to make that choice. Um, And then I fell behind. And there's a lot of stuff that I have to catch up on. But it's kind of like, okay, sometimes you just got to put on the different hats and you've got to lean on different people. I have an amazing husband who is so supportive that's the other thing is that yeah shout out to like moms who are single and doing it by themselves because if you don't have that support system even if it's like a friend or whatever it it must be really hard so I'm very lucky in that sense yeah does he um like work on the business stuff with you too he's like an unofficial consultant (laughs) (laughs) he's not like like you're my assistant and (laughs) Oh my gosh, his work his schedule is crazy. He needs his own assistant. Yeah. Um, he, I just always bounce ideas off of him. He's a very good sounding board. And sometimes because when you're an entrepreneur and it's all kind of just ruminating yeah. in your head and you're just like, tell me if this is a crazy idea, or if this is a good idea, or this is, you know, he's very helpful with that. And he's also very helpful with just keeping me um, focused on like, what are my priorities in terms of the business growth? And that helps me a lot because it's really easy again to want to do a million things. And he's like, okay, what's the thing that's really going to move the needle in a big way? And that helps a ton. Yeah. No kidding. It can be like overwhelming. It all just jumbled in your head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, okay. Let's talk a little bit about um, like the social impact portion of the studio. Um, I mean, obviously you said like your first, you know, career, you initially had wanted to make that impact. So when you were moving into owning your own business, you wanted to make an impact. So I guess, what does it mean to you? How does it work? All the things. Yeah. Great idea. I mean, great question. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. It really is like a core value to our, um, our operations. So I think it's, I think it's something that I want to see more businesses do and more industries do. And I have seen actually since the pandemic started, I I don't know if that kind of helped people click and all of a sudden people are realizing or businesses are realizing that it is important to stand for something. It is important to um, let folks know where their money is being spent and what your values are right? So people have so many choices where they go and buy a pair of shoes or where they go and take a spin class. There's a million places. And Arlington is the fittest city. It was voted many times the fittest city in the country. There's, you can't throw a rock without seeing another fitness studio. So how do you differentiate yourself? And for us, the first and foremost thing was that we were going to have the best classes, the most challenging instructors, the top of the line bikes. That was always number one to us. And then number two was the social impact because we felt like it was something that no other studio was doing. And so we saw studios that were doing it sporadically, um, which is better than nothing, absolutely better than nothing to have a one-time charity event. Um, But for me, it was like, okay, well, as a writer, like, what if you miss that event? Or what if you feel like, oh, I can't make it? Or, oh, I, you know, there's another cause that I would love to give back to. So I just wanted it kind of constantly baked in consistently a part of what we do and so I just made it part of our mission that whenever you come in whenever you spend money with us we give back and so we were able in our first year to give over five thousand dollars to over 20 nonprofits which was amazing. amazing 
um, which was just took away from our bottom line, but it was something that could I have kept that and like helped us maybe be profitable the first year? Sure. But um, I didn't want to, I wanted this to just be like, because if it's an afterthought, then sometimes you don't get to it or you're like, oh, the money's not there this right. month. Maybe like, oh, next time. Right, right, exactly. And then it never happens or it doesn't happen in an impactful way. And so in addition to the money, which is really important, I also wanted to make sure that we were just keeping local nonprofits at the top of mind for people. So mm -hmm. having them come, uh, sharing information about what they're doing, having their clients come ride, having their staff come ride, doing different um, events around them, having volunteer opportunities clear. You know, right now we're doing a clothing drive. So it really depends on what we're doing and what kind of season or cycle we're in. But we, yeah. we use it constantly and it's something that draws riders to us, which is really exciting. Yeah, I was going to say, what has the... Um... I'm like having a total brain fart. <laughs> what is the like reaction or feedback? I'm like, why were those words so hard to come to my mind? Okay. The afternoon is that like two o'clock? Like my brain doesn't work anymore. Um, yeah. What is the feedback been? Because I mean, I'm sure, you know, people love to see that, but yeah, it's been great. People have been very, um, receptive to it. And that's also why I picked Arlington. I knew Arlington was a very giving community to mm -hmm. begin with. I mean, the whole DMV really is uh, very focused on social justice. I mean, we're right. Arlington is like two seconds from BC or if right, you're, in right. BC, you're just kind of surrounded by these amazing causes doing amazing work. And so when I announced that this was going to be part of our mission, I had so many folks, especially who wanted to work for us initially, who said, I want to be a part of this. And that helped with recruitment of amazing coaches and amazing staff and people who just really aligned with that willingness to give back to that want to pay it forward. And it also is great when we have writers who come in and say, oh, have you thought about this cause or mm -hmm you know, they feel a part of it. So this month we're uh, giving back to the Melanoma Research Foundation and it's because of a former writer who works for them and says, mm -hmm. you know, this is Skin Cancer Awareness Month. Is this something that we can highlight? And we say, absolutely. So we try yeah. and make sure that we are giving back to as many different causes as possible and then just highlighting their work so that it spreads the word. It's, you know, it's free totally. press for them. I love that because I mean, um, most of the studios that I've worked at have options to like hold charity events, but it really puts all the work like on the rider or the member that comes forward and like, you know, they have to pay the event fee and get their people to come. So it's nice that it's just kind of like worked into what you do every day. That's amazing. And yeah, it's yeah. I mean, and yeah. it's like, studios memberships are expensive at gyms like they just are and people are willing to spend the money but I, myself at least i would be way more willing to spend that money or maybe a little bit more knowing that like a portion of it is going to be going to good causes absolutely i think the folks that come to us are really conscious consumers is how i like to think of them mm -hmm. they're very aware of where their dollar is going knowing that they have so many different choices and yeah. right fitness is expensive and that in and of itself is an issue because there's so many barriers to entry but yeah. it's something that we are aware of and trying to improve and trying to create a little equity around that with our um, initiatives and for us it's like I used to work in a nonprofit. I worked in many nonprofits, and so yeah. I know when someone comes to you and says, hey, we wanna do something for you, and then you end up having to do most of the work, it can be really taxing for right. a nonprofit. It can be really a drain on resources and then right. for a little return. And so I wanted to make sure that the way we designed it was, cause I talked to a lot of different nonprofits as I was getting it started. And I said, what do you, you know, I've been in this field, but what do you feel like we need? I talked to some executive directors. What do you feel like you need? And they were like, yeah. we need money. You know, we need money. Like right. we've been fundraising, you know, that our bottom line matters so much as a nonprofit. And we're just always, you know, really scraping for funds. And so if you can start by just donating and then on top of that, doing all the other promotional stuff and the non-monetary stuff, that's great. But they were like, that donation goes so far for right. us. Right. 
And like you were saying, yeah, a drain on the resources that like are already lacking. <laughs> um, okay, so actually you brought up something that I did want to talk to you about. Um, so when I was looking through your website and Instagram and everything, um, I saw a lot of um, talk about how you know that fitness isn't accessible to everyone. You know that it is expensive and to a lot of communities and groups, it's just not really feasible. So, and I also saw that um, you had a whole diversity, equity, and inclusion um, pack. So I would love for you to just talk a little bit about that because I think, especially this last year, a lot of companies are realizing that a little bit more and maybe, you know, said mm. that they were going to really keep those things in mind. But what can these studios actually do to make that difference? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, what we discovered last year was that, um, you know, right around the time the murder of George Floyd, all of a sudden it was very, uh, very much a fad for companies to yeah. really take a stand, to put the black square up, to make sure they had a statement. Um, right. Very performative. To, yeah, very performative <laughs> and very overdue. And so for us, um, it we still wanted to take a stand. But what was nice is that we had already been taking a stand. So it right. wasn't it wasn't abnormal to see a statement like that on our on our Instagram or to see or to we had already been giving to Black Lives Matter. So it wasn't the first time that we came into contact with them. And that was certainly helpful um, in the sense that it felt more genuine. And so right. I, I mean, better late than never. So I'm not saying yeah. like, thousand percent, okay. like that was not <laughs> meant to like shame companies. But right. I think that a lot um, even if it wasn't like meant to be performative, like I think a lot of places have their heart in the right place, but then especially dealing with, you know, running a business through a pandemic, life gets in the way, push comes to shove, nothing actually changes or gets done. So yeah, I just, yeah, would love to hear about some of the stuff that you guys are doing, whether it's like scholarships or, you know, reduce rates for certain groups or yeah. this, that, or the other thing. Yeah. I think the biggest takeaway for us was that we were really focused on uh, connecting to these nonprofits and giving back. And then as a company ourselves, what could we be improving? So I had a big, um, not, I wouldn't call it a realization, but kind of like a a look in the mirror in the sense that the spin industry that we are a part of is designed for white women and it's yeah. very much built white women with money too <laughs> white women right of a certain class exactly so mm -hmm. the fact that we are in that industry was really and that i am a white woman myself was very much a difficult um, thing to face in the sense that, you know, I wanted to make sure I was doing some of the internal work to be the leader of the company that I knew the company deserved. And so right. this is, we are just one year old. So as right. you said, dealing with the pandemic. So I think for us, it was really like, okay, let's look internally first. We've done a lot of external, but let's look at our policies. Let's look at our hiring. That was a big thing. Yeah, for sure. To look at let's look at the diversity of our staff and our coaches and and really facing that and figuring out how can we be more representative of the population um and how can we change how we operate so that uh we do attract talent of all different colors and so for us and riders so i had some conversations i had some really hard conversations with riders uh and again luckily we had we had been um champions of this kind of work and cause for so long that right. I felt comfortable going to our riders and saying, hey, tell me about why you come to ride here. Tell me about what it is that is welcoming and inclusive about good sweat. And these are our riders of color. Tell me, mm -hmm. um, you know, what can we do better? You know, I want to do better. I don't want to ask you to give all this emotional labor. I just really am trying to pull up our pulse and right, try and see right what we can do differently and what we can do better from your thoughts. And so they really had some great feedback. And a lot of it was, you know, you're doing great. Like, you know, you guys are really um, pioneering this and we don't see a lot of other companies doing this. 
but for me, it was, okay, we're doing great, but there's never, it's not a destination. It's not like one day you arrive at like being anti-racist. Literally. Literally. <laughs> it's not a thing. Yeah. It's like you we did it. We're good. Right. You don't check the box. But it, <laughs> it feels like sometimes like, oh, these, these places think they check the boxes and it's done. So right, right. we had some internal meetings about it. We had a training about it with um, Chrissy King, who's an amazing resource. I want to shout her out if people don't follow okay. her. She's in the fitness industry. You should look her up. Chrissy King. She does all I feel these- like I do follow her. The she name must. sounds she's, so familiar. She's fabulous. She's based in New York, I believe, but she did a training for us. And, and we really spread it out throughout the year. We mm-hmm. weren't like, oh my God, let's rush to do all of these things and then shout it and then be done. You know? Yeah, and you get burnt out too. Right. Right. It was more just like, how can we um, really be committed to it in a long-term way? So what are the projects that as staff we want to work on? So some of the initial ones though, were like, we had so many protests happening in DC. How could we support those? So how yeah. could we, um, we did a lot of protester supply drives. We had a lot of our staff who went and protest, made signs. Um, how could we help them initially? And then after that, it was more long-term. What are things that we can do uh, to make sure that we are continuing our learning. So we started a book club. Then we started having conversations about this pledge that you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, which is a little scary. I'm not going to lie. It's a little scary to totally. come forward and to take a bold statement, not because we don't believe in it, but then to tell riders that you're going to be signing this. And this is something that um, we are rolling out this month. And this is something that new riders are all going to sign. It's essentially like a, um, like what you would sign if you're going to have like a waiver or a disclaimer, it's going to be a part of that. And so yeah, I love that. So, I mean, it's important. I think I wish more businesses would do it. Um, but then I started worrying about like, well, we have to live up to this. So let's figure out what are we doing in terms of reduced rates? So we are working on like a sweat equity program that would be reduced rates for folks. What else can we do in terms of internal workshops and having an external town hall, we're trying to plan to have discussions. How can we highlight local activists? So that's another piece that was yeah. on our on our docket that we're going to start doing in our newsletter so that we can really, again, it's not like, um, it's not like we need to reinvent the wheel. There are so many people doing this work. Right. How can we highlight And yeah, it? raise those voices up. Exactly. So I'm very really. conscious of that and trying to make sure that this is a central piece of what we do, but that, uh, like you said, in a sense, we're really just amplifying the work that's being done. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love, um, like, the whole having the rider sign the waiver, because I think like you were saying, um, pre COVID and um, like last year, so many companies were afraid to take a stand and afraid to speak out in fear of, um, offending people or like, oh, we we're a spin studio. We don't need to bring politics into it when like this goes really beyond politics and you don't need everyone's money. You want the members and the community, like you're cultivating a community, you know? Right. Right. But that's so true is that I remember when I, um, when I first kind of had that conversation with someone about keeping politics out of it was actually when we first started with Good Sweat and we happened to do, I was in like our first few months, we ended up doing a, a ride for Planned Parenthood. It was one of our staff's chosen nonprofit. It was her birthday and, yeah. and that's who she wanted to donate to. And so that was the first time that I felt uh, backlash. That was the very mm. first time that I got messages from people people I knew, people I didn't know um, about how could you support this cause. And so I was, I was very shocked. You're um, like, how could you not? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was very shocked, but I was also kind of like, hey, we've never hidden what we stood for. And like, you may not always agree with the nonprofits that we select. And so that's up to you. If you, you know, we welcome all if you don't right. agree with them, you don't have to leave. Um, we would still love to ride with you. But also, like, if you don't agree with them, like, that's something for you to think about and that you don't have to ride with us. Like, right. we're not forcing you to ride here. Right. So um, same thing with the protest, like, with our support of it. I was surprised, again, a couple of riders um, 
but it just happens. And so you just have to keep totally. taking those stands that you believe in and, and it is infusing, not politics, but it's infusing kind of your morals into it. And yeah. I don't see anything wrong with that. And, and it's no. just kind of, like you said, it's creating your community. Yeah. And I think for, I mean, if some people, if they're, you know, willing to, ride, you know, during those months and read your newsletters and do all those things. Like, not that you're out to, you know, push anything on anyone or anything like that, but maybe it's a good chance for them to learn a little bit more. Cause I think, especially like with Planned Parenthood and, you know, some of those causes, depending on what news sources you watch, you Mm -hmm. might think that like, they are only, for lack of a better term, but like from that side, like a baby killing machine when really like they do so much good for the community. And maybe that's a great opportunity for some people to like learn about all the stuff that they do. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's yep. a good approach. Yeah, yeah good, we try and we try and raise awareness for sure. We try and raise awareness from directly from the source too, like you said, because right. who knows how it's been contrived. So if we can just say, you know, this is their mission. This is what they do. We have more information on them. You right. can take it or leave it, but at least, at least the education is there right. available for you. Totally. And like how you're saying earlier on, like having some people from the organizations come and like speak to it. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're the best ones to educate. So, exactly. That's great. Um, well, what advice? if any, would you give to some small business owners who are looking to make a difference and do the right thing and start being more involved in their communities? I think it probably can feel overwhelming or like, where do I even start? Mm -hmm. That's a great, that's a great question too, because it's, it can be intimidating too. Like, like we were just talking about, like taking a stand and supporting certain causes can create a backlash. Um, And so I guess I would say to businesses that want to give back and want to be more involved in the community to just really make it intentional and thoughtful and, and consistent and to talk to these nonprofits, to talk to these places that you want to give back to and see what their needs are, because they know best, they know better than you. If you think, oh, we could do this big clothing drive or whatever. And then maybe they're like, yeah, we don't really need, like, we're all set on that front, but we could use help, you know, you know, can't with our canned goods or whatever it is. Like they, they should dictate um, their needs and they can totally. do that better than anyone else. And so I think not to be afraid to just reach out to nonprofits and say, Hey, we want to help you. But instead of going to them with an idea, I mean, you can go to them with an idea or two, but kind of just letting them say, these are our biggest needs. And then you do the work to, be creative and make that happen and to build a true partnership. So something that we've been right, right. really intentional about is, is um, having more long-term partnerships. So we do try and highlight these partners, you know, and rotate them once a month. But then where I used to work was Urban Alliance. And that's such an amazing organization that gives back to youth. And so they do internships for youth who are at risk. And so what I, I realized is that I wanted to have a nonprofit that we were in partnership with more long-term. So it's great to try and find a place that aligns with your values and then really dig deep and build that long-standing partnership. So beyond donating money, we also really are focused on hiring from them. We also are requiring that all of our staff volunteer with them. So it's kind of got a couple of different approaches because we know the money is important, but we also, again, know that there are so many different ways to get involved. So if, if you're a small business, you want to get more involved in the local community and give back, enlist your staff, get them to volunteer because that buy-in is truly how you can be mission-centric. Essentially. Yeah, I love that. That's such a it's good great. way. And I'm sure like the staff just feel even more connected to the studio and the mission and the community as a whole. That's it. That's it. Because you don't want them to feel like uh, it's a one-time thing, or you don't want them to feel like, uh, like I said, just checking a box. It's like, right. You want to feel like this mission is a part of you and therefore good sweat is a part of you. And that's why so many riders keep coming back because maybe they came for the mission and now they love the classes or they came for the classes and now they love the mission. And so I think it's so important when you say you're building a community to really 
apply that to the community at large, not just like your little bubble community, but then like, how does it spread out? I mean, this is a podcast so no one can see my (laughs) motion. How does it spread out to beyond your community to the larger community? Yeah. No, I love that. Um, Okay. Let's shift gears just a little bit. Still talking business things, but so you just had, was it your first anniversary? Second. Well, congratulations. Thank you. That's amazing. Um, So you have your one year anniversary and then COVID hits and you have to pivot. Let's kind of talk about, you know, surviving COVID like as a business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many small businesses that didn't survive that just breaks my heart um, because I, I don't fault them. Like it, it would have been totally understandable to just shut down because it was so hard and being a brand new business had its pluses and minuses. So the fact that we were brand new meant, hello, like you said, we just had had our, we were just about to have our one year anniversary and we shut down a month before that. So we had zero reserve in the bank. We had zero um, kind of goodwill, like established in terms of like our reputation. We had writers, we had writers, that's for sure. Right. But people still didn't really know about us. We still were new to the scene and people were still like, what's good sweat, you know? Um, so for us, it was a huge pivot in the sense that we overnight turned into a virtual studio, right? right. Which was never part of the plan. I'm very not tech savvy at all. Um, And we had bikes. So it's not like we were a yoga studio and could hop online without any sort of equipment. It was like, how are we going to do this? You had to get people, did you rent your bikes out at all? Yes. Yes. That was huge. We rented like that Monday. So we closed on a Sunday. It was the 14th or 15th. We closed a week before it was mandated in Virginia because we just kind of saw the writing on the wall. And then the next day I was up that whole night being like, how am I going to pay our rent? Like we had, we had to pay our April 1st rent. What do we do? (laughs) Right. I was like, let me figure out how to keep the cash flow coming. And I was like, we're renting the bikes out starting Monday. And they were immediately rented out. We had a huge wait list because no one could get a Peloton at that time. No one could get, just other people weren't doing it. Um, And so there's no equipment available anywhere. (laughs) Right. Remember even getting weight, you can get weights on Amazon. No, It was just wild. You couldn't get anything. So we rented out our weights, we rented out our bikes and that income helped us so much. And then we had so many riders who were like, Hey, like we're on, they were, had their memberships. They were like, we'll just give it a couple of weeks, keep our auto pay going until you're like, it was so nice of them um, until you figure it out. So that like initially, and then we got to the point where I was like, no, we're stopping it because we're going to be closed a while. But like that first month, that's truly how we survived. And then our staff was just amazing and was like, I will hop online. I will teach a weights class. I will teach an upper body class. Like you know, like we've never done that before. Um, so we just made it like in retrospect, like not everyone is certified to do that, but that's okay. We just kind of made it work. Um, and had a lot of disclaimers and we just were like, we're going to do some IG lives and like, we're just going to try and people showed up. Um, but it truly taught me like, the importance of just not being stuck in one thing. Like, yes, we mm-hmm. were an indoor cycling studio, but like, look, we turned into a bike rental company overnight. Um, yeah. And look, like we turned into an online, you know, hit, you know, classes overnight. Like we turned into all these different things. Um, and then that's what helped us through the first few months just survive. So we celebrated our one, our one year anniversary in April. We did this huge burpee challenge, which uh-huh. was amazing and everyone pledged a certain amount of burpees and everyone fundraised for good sweat and that's my my background is fundraising right yep. you know, when you're an executive director of a nonprofit that's all you do is fundraise so yep. i was so happy that so many people gave so generously to good sweat and we pledged to keep giving a portion of that back to the community we said yeah. we're not going to stop our charitable giving we're going to keep it because now there's so many places that really need it. Exactly. Exactly. People who don't have homes, people who don't have food. Um, right. I mean, those so rates went up. 
the nonprofits needed it more than ever. So we were like, if you can keep giving to Good Sweat, we will keep being that conduit and give to these nonprofits. Um, and so we did that. And that was like the initial period of the pandemic was March yeah. through July was when we reopened. Mm-hmm. Well, that's nice. And then you were doing outdoor classes, right? Yes. Yep. That's a hundred percent outdoors. So July 4th, we reopened and, you know, it was like, how can we make this work? So we had the parking lot and we're just so lucky that I had the space that had the parking lot because I looked at so many spaces that didn't have parking lots. And I just think, how would I have made it work without the landlord who for their credit, even though we went back and forth for a while, trying to negotiate it, eventually they came around and they were like, okay, you can have X amount of parking spots at X amount of times. And um, this is yours to use. And so without their graciousness, I wouldn't have survived. We absolutely would have closed. Absolutely. Um, But we were able to do the outdoor classes and I didn't know if people would come back. We, they started with like eight people. We had everyone 10 feet apart. Um, And then they just grew, grew and grew. And we got more and more parking spots. We survived the winter, which was touch and go. Yeah. What'd you do in the winter? Still outdoor and just kind of do what you could. That's it. We just yeah. stayed outdoors. I, I pulsed the riders and I said, are you guys going to come um, or do you want to go inside? And they said, we don't want to go inside. We're going to keep coming yeah. as long as you're you're out here. We got heaters. I mean, look, it's not Boston. So God bless all the, right. the studios in Boston. Outside but there were the some, because- yeah, like a lot of studios got super creative with like renting like hotel conference rooms and like really really mm-hmm. big indoor spaces where they could spread out especially because yep. most spin studios in boston rent out places that were never meant to be um fitness studios so they're small they don't have the correct like hvac and like filtration but i think it was soul cycle that did like a big tent out in a parking lot with like some heaters but people were riding in like negative degree weather and just doing it so yeah they were doing it yeah you got it like i think the i i would i did joke when we were in the winter like the winter in in dc and arlington is much milder than a boston winter so I only had to shovel snow, I think once or twice. Um, But other than that, people still came. And, you know, sometimes the real feel was in the teens or in the 20s and people just bundled up and they did it for 45 minutes. And they're the reason that, you know, we are still standing is because of those folks. And then now we have a a plethora of riders who were gone and who we still love and stay in touch with who came back uh, now that it's nicer. It was really just January, February, like the tough month down here right well good i mean i think especially like you said with your commitment to continue to give back to the community i think people like once they find their place like they don't want to see it go and they want to support you especially knowing that like i'm sure they know who you are you're not just like a big corporate owner that they've never met before you know That's it. That's it. They know me. They know I have a daughter. They know I have a husband. They know I'm from Boston. Like they know all these things about my life. Um, And right. It's not a big unknown entity. And because of that, I also think it's because of that, that we were able to pivot so quickly. So mm-hmm. I have such a smaller ship to turn right. um, that we could move really quickly. That's why we did bike rentals before a big corporate place started doing it. Um, and that's why we saw so many spin studios around here that were kind of mid-sized that closed. Even some of the big ones like Flywheel that closed, like yeah. it was really unfortunate to see that because um, you know a lot of it depends upon decision-making and resources and how quickly you can move and how creative and nimble and flexible you can be. And so the fact that we're small allows us to really uh, pivot quickly. Yeah, definitely. Right. Like you're the decision-maker and you just kind of have to get (laughs) your staff on board, but that's awesome. Um, Okay. Just for the sake of time, I would love to hear, um, a little from you about like I feel like there is such I don't even know how to put it like kind of like BS around like hustle culture and you always have to be doing a million things and this that and the other thing and I'm sure 
you probably feel like you're always doing a million things because you're a mother, you're a small business owner, but I would love to hear like how you find your balance, where you draw your boundaries, all of that. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. That's actually something that I've wanted to talk about more because another one of my, in addition to like my peeve of an entrepreneur being like, oh, one day I just opened the studio. Uh, another peeve is like this kind of hustle mentality, of mm. this grind culture of like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm up all night, every night. And like, mm -hmm. I don't sleep and almost like in a braggy kind of way. And yeah. to me, that's like um, something that I've come to terms with, like as being a mother, as being a business owner, that those boundaries are so important and so difficult to manage and to find, but totally. it's important to model for, for others who want to get into it, that you don't have to um, do it all, all at once. Kind of like we talked about before, it's really, what it really comes down to is there isn't, there is no perfect balance of everything. It's not like one day you wake up and you have a balanced life, but it's up to you to prioritize certain things on certain days and to understand right. that just sometimes balls are going to get dropped and um, things are going to fall through the cracks. And I'd like to say that I'm a recovering perfectionist in the sense that, you know, you are the only one holding yourself to that standard. So right. that's such a good point. The, right. So at the end of the day, it's like, what is most important? And like, yes, good sweat is important, but good sweat is my second child, right? My daughter is my first child. She came first. Mm -hmm. My husband came even before that. My family up in Boston that supports me, they come first to me. And so at the end, like, right, when people are on their deathbed, what you know, you always hear like, you're not going to say, I wish I worked more. You're going to say, yeah. I wish I spent more time with my family and friends. And so being an entrepreneur, there is that pressure to just hustle and grind constantly and then show everyone you're hustling and grinding. And yeah. I try really hard not to subscribe to that because I don't think your worth is your productivity, but it's definitely mm -hmm. hard. And it's something that having a daughter forces me constantly to check myself on because I know she's watching me. I know she sees yeah. what I do and how I operate. And so I have to put my phone away and in the other room so that I really do give her the attention that she deserves and have that separation between work and family. But it's not, it's not easy. No, for sure. Especially when you own your own business. <laughs> you, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. You're the always stakes are on. a little I higher. Mean, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're always on. And so it's really like, even, you know, even Mother's Day, it was a big deal for me to be like, I'm going to try really hard to not work today. Yeah. Um, and for me, that was just kind of like, honoring um, the fact that, you know, I'm not just a business owner, I'm a mom, I'm a daughter, I'm a lot of other things. And like, I need time for myself. Um, yeah, to be no kidding. Able to be all those other things. Yeah. I love that. That's it's important. And it's really hard, especially as women. I think it's just ingrained in us since, you know, the beginning of time is like the people pleasing, the taking care of others, the giving and uh, like it's just so hard to learn how to set those boundaries because you feel like you're being selfish or being a bitch or whatever, you know. Okay. It's crazy. So many people who come, I always, I also remind myself that coming to work out and coming to good sweat for so many people is that yeah. balance and is that selfishness, like, um, that is not a bad thing. And right. that is a necessary thing it's, for everyone's mental health. Right? Yes. So when they come there, I want to make sure that their experience is worth it. That 45 minutes that you decided to leave your kids or like, you know, turn off your notifications on your phone from your boss or whatever you decided to do that, that, that is worth it because you have the best time, your mental health gets recharged. You know, we're really focused on the mental health piece, even more than the physical stuff. Cause that all comes if you can really be in a better headspace. Um, and so that's right. why I feel so honored when people ride. I always say it's an honor to teach you because you took this time, you, you blocked off 45 yeah. minutes for you. And I got to be a part of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I would definitely say that's like the most rewarding part of being a fitness instructor, in my opinion. Like 
it can be a very thankless job and a very giving job, but then it also can be a super, I don't know what the opposite of thankless is, but like (laughs) when you have those moments of connection and like realization of like, oh, you have the opportunity to make a difference in someone's day. um, That's just makes it worth it. The early mornings and the sore bodies. (laughs) So true. Um, Okay. So for the sake of time, let's do a little fun rapid fire round to round it out. Um, Favorite song or artist to ride to either like currently or. Oh, all time is Beyonce for sure. It's always Beyonce. I just can't. She is everything. And I, whenever I find a good remix, I just am like, I've done so many Beyonce rides. I think people, no, you can never get sick of it. I was going to say people are sick of it, but if you don't hear a Beyonce song in my class, then something's, something's off. (laughs) At least one, maybe two. Yeah. One time a writer was like, you only played one Beyonce song today. That was weird. (laughs) I don't know what's going on there. So that is favorite hands down. Yeah. I mean, definitely agree. And it's always a crowd pleaser. gets the people going. Yeah. Um, Go to coffee order. Oh, I'm not a huge coffee drinker, but I do love iced coffee. Like, but I'm not one of those people who can drink it year round. I think now it's like the perfect time to drink it. But my husband is a big coffee snob. So when he found out I was from Boston, I made him drink Dunkin' Donuts. He is such a coffee snob. Yeah, he is not into it. He like wants to make his own Illy espresso. And I am just like... I don't drink coffee that much. So I'm just like, yeah, nice coffee. It sounds, it's delicious. And it's like right. donuts. And it's just like a treat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do you get your energy? Ooh. What do, um, <laughs> what are your tricks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Without caffeine. Um, sleep. I try and sleep, but like, even that, like, sometimes I can't. Gia wakes up. Um, sometimes like, yeah, sometimes I'll have like an energy. Um, yeah. Like, I don't even know what it's called, but like an energy drink. Yeah. Um, if I really need it to like, just kind of amp me up before class, but yeah, that's really it. All right. Um, are you a savory or sweet kind of gal? Oh, definitely sweet. Definitely sweet. Too. Definitely chocolate. Oh, like every day has to have chocolate at some point. Yeah. I mean, very much same <laughs> dessert <laughs> every single night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, if you could be on one reality TV show, what would it be? Ooh. Oh, my gosh. I I mean, maybe Shark Tank. Is that a boring answer? No, I, I love Shark Tank. <laughs> okay, that's the first one that comes to mind. Like, I love Shark Tank. I love Shark Tank. Who doesn't love watching it and, like, right. seeing people get their deals? And, like, I get ideas from it all the time. Yeah. Just, like, in terms of, like, the creative things people are doing or, like, financial ideas. Um so I think it's such a really fun show to watch, yeah. especially when there's female entrepreneurs yes. and like another female invests in them. Like that's always inspiring to me. Right. Or like when you see a company way later on, that's like really doing things and you're like, wait, I think I saw them on Shark Tank like a year ago. Yes. So yes. Yes. Yeah, I try cool. and like keep track of like their products because you want to support them for sure. Yeah. Um, favorite pre or post workout fuel. Oh, let me think. Um, is it boring to just say like eggs? I'm not no. a vegan if that offended someone. Um, me neither. Boring like, sometimes is best, I think. Like we don't okay, need to be yeah. pretending like you have to do this big extravagant thing or no, expensive supplements nothing fancy real food just eggs like an omelet or like hard-boiled eggs I used to carry with me all the time but now that I'm yeah. home like I can just you know have a few eggs and make an omelet and I I don't make sure you don't eat it like when, there was one time I did eat it a little too close to class and that is not not a good experience no. so um I would say make sure that you're eating them like an hour before yeah. whatever you're doing so the taste is gone yep i've been there also um <laughs> biggest lesson from this last year mm, 
I think I touched on it, but I, I'll add to it. So I would say that you are never stuck in anything. So like the fact that we were an indoor cycling studio, like I said, overnight, we became a bike rental studio. We became an online business. Now we're an outdoor cycling studio. Yeah. So I had to change all of our collateral, but um, you're never stuck in anything, right? So like you, you have free will, like you have the ability to change and to um, be resourceful. Um, and so I would say that was my first biggest lesson. But another big lesson that I always say is that the people that were with you this year are your people. Mm -hmm. So the people who stood by you, the people who came back, the people who supported you, whether it was financially or emotionally or however, um, even people from afar who supported Good Sweat, uh, you know, who bought a piece of merch or who just sent me a note like, hey, I hope you're hanging in there today, just checking on you. Like those are the people that you yeah. want to keep in your life. Those are your people. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Definitely was like an eye-opening time. Um, yes. Let's see. Finish this sentence. I'm pretty much always blank. Oh, I'm pretty much always. I would say coming up with like a new idea. I feel like as an entrepreneur, like I am up like thinking about ideas. Um, like how can we, that makes sense, right? How can we improve? Yeah. Like how can we do something differently? Like I'll see like a studio in Boston doing something amazing. And I admire so many of the local studios that are up there. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll be like, okay, how can we make that good sweat? How can we do that in a good sweat kind of way? You know, because we don't yeah. want to be a carbon copy of anyone, but you know, as an entrepreneur, like I've learned that nothing is truly, truly original. Um, right. It's really just everyone putting their own spin on things, their own uh, way of doing things. So I'm constantly trying to figure out new ideas or like what's, what's Good Sweat 3.0? What's the next business venture? You know, I don't think I'll be with Good Sweat forever, obviously. Um, but I think one day, you know, I see it myself having another career as an entrepreneur. And so how can I innovate within Good Sweat? And then what is kind of like the next, the next venture? Yeah, I love that so much. Um, okay, last one. First thing that you're doing in pandemic free life, a place you want to go, thing you want to do, someone you want to visit. Well, I mean, I have, again, like some of these answers are boring, but then some no. are really fun. I mean, I, I got, uh, I really want to go see my family up in Boston again and really like mm -hmm. hug everyone and not worry about it. Like now that everyone's getting vaccinated, it's yeah. just like so many more things that we can do together safely because the whole time I was visiting, I was always nervous of, right. um, you know, what could go wrong. And we weren't up there uh, nearly as much as we we usually are. So right. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to um, traveling to like California to see friends that we haven't seen, like going to the mm -hmm. beach, like those kinds of things that have definitely been on hold. And then, you know, just kind of getting back to seeing folks and making sure that I'm rebuilding and reconnecting with people in person because we definitely put so much of that on the back burner. And yeah, like now that we're coming out of it, now that we're getting vaccinated, it's helping so much. That's my one tip. Yeah. If I can leave people with a tip that like, if you want to help small businesses right now, go and get vaccinated. It's really important to make a difference. Um, yep. I, I know that some people can't, um, but if you're someone who can, it's free and it's the only way we're going to survive as a small business truly. So that's something that now that we're at that point, it's exciting. Um, yeah, but we also really know is. that we need so much more. We need so many more folks. So that's a big, yeah, a big piece of it. Right. Like it's like a light at the end of the tunnel, but like it needs to really tip the scale. <laughs> right. So we get that herd immunity. Right. Right. It's going to be, it's going to be something that is like on the mind of every small business owner I know. And so totally. anyone who wants to live their life fully, that's something that they're thinking about. So yeah, I'm especially a business like yours, you know, 
yeah, I do want to be able to go back inside one day. I don't know when. Um, right. And I know some businesses are doing it already and they've made it work. And for us, it's going to take a little bit more time. And we're going to stay in the parking lot as long as it's working for right. folks and people are enjoying it. Why not? Like the summer here gets hot, wicked hot. Um, but well, you it, do early mornings, uh, evenings. Yep. People help people to bring their little outside. like little tiny spray bottle fans that you get Fun at like Disney screen. World, you know? That's right. That's right. And then when we do move inside at some point, I want people to be able to enjoy it because I don't want people to, our whole priority is like everyone's health, right? So whether that's health in terms of fitness, health in terms of the pandemic, that's our mission. And so as long as we keep coming back to that, that's like our North star is how can we keep everyone healthy? And yeah, and that's how we, how we operate. Love that. Um, and the last question I just like to ask everyone is if there is, um, or are any books or podcasts, resources of any kind, business related, Bo Bo wants to say hi, um, business related or not that you're loving and would recommend, or that I've always kind of stuck with you and you like to go back to anything that comes to I. I highly recommend anyone in the fitness industry read uh, a book called Sweat Equity. It's about it. it's on my list. It's really good. I read it before I started Good Sweat, and it's about the fitness industry and how the rise of boutique fitness and then big box gyms, their role in everything, and um, it's just fascinating from an industry perspective to think about how much change fitness has undergone. Um, it's also kind of like disheartening because it's also, you know, there's a little bit about diet culture and, um, you know, I, I love being in the fitness industry, but I hate being in the fitness industry because it is a lot of (laughs) preying on people's insecurities. Like that's how a lot of businesses make money. Right. Um, and so we're trying to be the change from within is how I keep reminding myself, but it's really, a really, really good book. And then um, okay. non-fitness related, I would say nice. to anyone who's a mom or a parent or going to become a parent, I really love um, Follow Dr. Becky. She is my okay. go-to. She has a podcast I listen to every week and such good like down-to-earth realistic tips for parenting and just surviving as a working mom, which is a yeah, huge. I love it. Um, well, hype yourself up. Where can everybody find you? Great. Um, they can find me on Instagram. That's where I am mostly, as I know most of us are. It's Cycle with Allie, A-L-I. Mm-hmm. So you can follow me. And I post a lot of stuff there about uh, Good Sweat, but also about my personal life and being an entrepreneur. And then uh, Good Sweat Studio is our studio. We are in Arlington, Virginia. But Uh, We do still do classes online one day a week. We still have them and we have some online virtual libraries if anyone wants to check it out. And if they have a bike from home and want to ride with some of our amazing instructors, it's all pre-recorded stuff and um, it's all online. And then our website is goodsweat.co. So those are the places to find us. I love it so much. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. It was awesome chatting with you. The next time that I'm down in the area, I am definitely gonna come check you out maybe i'll take a a little virtual ride yes please don't be a stranger all are welcome and next time you're up in boston we'll have to link up absolutely thanks for having me (laughs) all right thank you for listening to the build with brayback podcast stay connected on instagram at build with brayback and our website www.buildwithbrayback.com Show a little love by rating and reviewing, sharing with your friends, and of course, subscribing so you don't ever miss an episode. Until next week, keep on building.